You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Richard Kadri at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Richard. My pleasure. Richard, you have a new book out called Sandman Slim. This is the first in a series. Could you talk about creating the series? Did you, like, uh, create a Bible for yourself? Yeah, I have a notebook about this thick of just everything from long descriptions of um, Stark as the protagonist, his background, his life, um, his life in hell, the background of hell itself, and then everything from just from that to just what kind of cigarettes he smokes, what he drinks, to um, what people wear, just everything yeah so there's a very extensive backstory and, and, and notes to this thing well give us a little idea of what the premise of your series is it started out really simply I mean actually the idea is one of those things that that when you're looking to write your next book you're, you're sort of casting around for ideas and this is literally a sentence <laughs> uh, that's been in the note, notebook of mine for like 10 years it just said hitman from hell and uh, I just expanded on that and um, that's where he came from. He, what made him more interesting to me is that, in fact, he's not the hitman from hell. He is a regular man who comes back from hell, at which point he is a hitman because of what's happened to him while he was in hell. He was just a regular schmuck in his, in his life. I mean, he was magic. He was a magician. But um, he was a pretty normal guy for that. But now that he's back awful lot of people are going to pay back, you know, he has to pay back for uh, what happened to him. Now, um, when one of the things I really liked about your reading was the voice that you've established. And this voice, even though you're doing um, uh, urban fantasy, really reminded me a lot of, you know, the classic hard-boiled cyberpunk detective voice. Could you talk about some of your inspirations? Yeah, you know, one of the things that was important to me about this was... A lot of the cyberpunk voice did come out of that kind of period of noir fiction. I really, however, was trying to avoid that noir stuff. I mean, enough people have been chewing on Raymond Chandler's corpse <laughs> for long enough that I didn't want to do that. Although, of course, he influenced everybody who came after him, so there's going to be echoes of that. But what interested me is much more um, later 50s-era American crime fiction. Um, Jim Thompson, Richard Stark people like that. In fact, the reason my lead character's name is Stark is kind of a it's kind of a hi there to Richard Stark, who wrote who wrote in fact the Parker novels and in fact there's a character in my book named Parker. So, I just gave away one of the little secrets, but um yeah, it's much more to me about that really hardcore American crime fiction like The Getaway, um, you know, uh The Killer Inside Me, things like that. I don't want to even though there's a lot of snotty dialogue, I'm not really looking to try and do yet another Chandler pastiche. It's been done. It's dead to me. Well, tell us about uh, some of the supernatural uh, architecture that you have to create for a book like this. It seems like it's it's re- well worked out, but it seems also as challenging as the technology in the science fiction novel. Yeah, it, it actually is in a way. I hadn't really. That's actually a really good way to, to think about it in terms of like establishing the parameters of your science fiction world. What I realized, I kept trying to work in sort of the bounds of sort of traditional fantasy magic, and what I realized I had to do for this character is throw out everything. 
because essentially what's happened is this is a man who on earth worked with traditional magic, but he's been in hell for 11 years and traditional human magic doesn't work there. So what he's come back with is hellion magic. And that is not nice stuff. That is pure chaos. Hellions do magic to kill, to destroy, to break things. And that's all this guy can do. He does not have much magic left that isn't about destruction. You know, little bits and pieces that he can pull up from time to time in the novel. But really, this is, he starts off as a very simple, basic character who has nothing more in his mind or in his heart than destruction. And he kind of has to grow from that a little bit. Now, this book, your reading was also very funny. The book is very funny. Could you talk about that dark sense of humor? That seemed essential to me. I mean, I have a character who is a very unrepentant killer. I mean, he's, he just does not apologize for it. And that is an interesting character to me. At the same time, I was very aware if you're going to have somebody running through the streets of L.A. happily killing anyone who gets in his way, you're going to have to kind of make that someone that a reader can, I don't know if it relate to is the right idea, but not hate and not fear, to sort of see that there is a human being aware of how awful and ridiculous he is, but the way he deals with it isn't, isn't by whining about it. He just has to go along with it and make a joke. I mean, how, how can you sort of, when you look into the abyss, you know, what's there to do except uh, laugh? Now, tell us about uh, the—this is also extremely violent, and, <laughs> and, and yet I have to say that the way you've written the violence, it, it's not—it uh, doesn't make you nauseous. It, it's kind of fun. So talk about doing talk, turning uh, violence and stuff that's kind of fun. Yeah, I'm not interested in grossing people out. I'm not interested in shocking anyone. Again, I don't think that's necessary anymore. Shock is boring to me. Uh, shock isn't interesting. To me, the violence is a means to an end. And uh, violence in the real world, if you've ever been around any of that stuff, it's short and it's sharp and it's over in a second. And, you know, it isn't a, not, not everything in life, not all uh, fights are a Michael Bay movie. Nothing, not, not everything in life is giant gasoline explosions and Jackie Chan fights. Things are over pretty quick and... Uh, you know, someone goes home limping. But uh, again, you know, if you can make uh, compound fractures fun, all the better. Now, this also is a novel that really is, you're going to be dealing in this series with the essences of good and evil. Um, so talk about creating the kind of, you know, uh, dealing good from a character who's thoroughly evil. He's not thoroughly evil. He does bad things, and that kind of interests me. Somebody who is not evil, but however chooses to do bad things because that's what he's been left with. That, to me, is interesting. Uh, an evil character is boring. I mean, a lot of this comes out of Paradise Lost. Lucifer, a lot of this comes out of George Bush, <laughs> which, led me to, which led me to Paradise Lost. I mean, when, when Bush was president... 
I was trying to understand who the hell these people were who just took over the countries, the fundamentalists. So I started reading back old uh, Christian texts and the history of Christianity and concepts of good and evil, origins of hell, evil, and the devil in the Western world. And there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And a lot of what I'm writing about now comes from the contradictions and the stupidity and really the folklore and the mythology of the Western world where you can just see the unbelievable and ridiculous holes in, um, you know, uh, our recepted, accepted Judeo-Christian culture. And, uh, you know, I think someone diving into that is going to come out very, very odd. It's going to come out very, very funny. And if you were raised like that, which, you know, uh, I lived in Texas for years, and you're going to come out kind of funny if you dealt with that. When I lived in Texas, man, if somebody talked about the devil, they weren't being metaphorical. They meant it. And you live in that world long enough, it's going to have an effect on you. One of the things you do really well is create a kind of a gritty and believable supernatural world. Um, and you do that with the language and, and the, the attitude of your character towards the supernatural. Could you talk about creating that kind of uh, casual belief in stuff that nobody really believes in or only some people do? I think the world is like that. I mean, I think we make the world, you know, we see the world through eyes that no one else can see. I mean, people wander the streets now believing in UFOs. People see angels. People see devils. People see black helicopters circling the streets. Your world is not my world. We may be walking down the same street together. We're not seeing the same world. And I think it's everybody's point of view is alien to everyone else's. And I think when you really get inside someone's head and have them talk that world to you, it's going to come out funny. And so um, I think for someone who was raised, again, in a magical world, because this guy was a powerful magician before he ended up being sent to hell, and now has been living among monsters for a good chunk of his life, nothing's going to be very shocking. The whole world monsters, violence is going to be pretty commonplace for him. He's going to be pretty unshockable. And so I kind of like the the kind of banality of monstrousness, you know, just sort of, you know, you're in the middle of a Bosch painting, but, you know, all you want to do is buy cigarettes. I mean, the the monsters are just sort of in line ahead of you, and you hope they get their change out faster. As a series, where do you see this going, and how many books do you think you have in the series? Do you have, like, a trilogy planned or i hate trilogies however yeah they only bought three books so far so uh i have a story arc that's three books i hope i can make it you know if people like the thing i hope i can make it longer than that but yeah um you know all i can tell you is a lot of uh what i'm thinking about you know comes out of uh paradise lost comes out of uh playing playing with those old paradigms of uh old school christianity and kind of breaking them i like to break things and this is I'm, I'm kind of breaking all that stuff i grew up with all that churchy stuff i grew up with in what i hope is an interesting way i've been speaking with richard cadry his new book is sandman slim thank you for joining me richard my pleasure
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.